Welcome to the CFB Dynasty Podcast with hosts Matt Knowles, Brian McElfresh, and Doug Gravely. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are Mattless today, so you get the intro from BMAC, but we are so excited to be one show away from our early, too early, 2024 college fantasy football rankings unveil. And so it's BMAC and Doug here talking about everything we're working on. We're working on depth charts. We're working on um, getting every single individual team depth chart page live and rankings for Devi CFF and so excited let's go what's up Doug how are you today what up what up I'm good man I'm ready to uh get back on this on this uh college football field with you man it's it it was a good couple weeks to just kind of woosah um and with all the stuff that's happening in college football right now I'm excited to <laughs> get back to get back to the grind with you it's gonna keeping, be good. keeping up with the depth charts has been insane so i'm just <laughs> scouring twitter all the time looking at different resources like it it's not all there like even some of the big ones big companies etc make mistakes in terms of like they've missed plenty i feel uh, like it's in every morning chat with <clears throat> you and i like that first probably 30 minutes before we actually get to like work stuff. And it's like, Hey, do you see this guy? Oh, Hey, do you see? Oh, this guy transferred again. Okay. No, this guy's not going here anymore. Um, he's going here now. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, and then at some point you and I are like, what that guy's leaving too. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Yeah. And it sounds like we've got major changes coming to college football sooner than later, which is, uh, great to hear because right now it's just chaos and, and really what's happening to to Alabama is completely unfair and Washington where their coach leaves or retires and then it's free game for 30 days on their roster. Um, so it's, it's nuts. But then Alabama's going to be a normal team here soon. Then you got players that just don't want to leave and I think they're like 29 years old and still playing for Miami. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. McCormick, the ninth year player. Like, you, what are we doing? You got uh, kids we'll, that are like, I want to play at six different schools. And you got a kid that says, I want to play here for the rest of my life. <laughs> pretty soon, pretty soon. A lot of that, the COVID year things will, will go away. Not fast enough. If you ask me, but how did we ever get to nine? That doesn't make That's, any sense. We picked on Frank Harris last year. Now I feel bad. Yeah, I know. I know. He's he's young buck compared to this guy now. So um, we'll talk about that. That does affect CFF as, as we get into what we're talking about today, which will be what we learned in 2024, looking at some breakout players, seeing what where we were wrong and talking about why. And then that's how we're kind of figuring things out for 2024 and how we'll make adjustments. And one of those, especially at a key position at quarterback, um, we'll, we'll get into um, kind of in depth on how things are, are shifting uh, quite a bit in terms of who's going to get you points. Um, we'll get into it. So um, anyways, let's go straight into some news and notes. We're just going to talk about some teams and look at, you know, we can't cover everything since the last time we talked at the end. We did the one uh video game show which actually i forgot to publish as a podcast so i'll probably do that um 
maybe next week it'll just be like a, a bonus extra podcast or whatever it got uh quite a lot of views or whatever on youtube but we are stoked about the video game coming out and uh anyways we'll do more and more of that and our rankings we'll have a little video game flair this year more to come on that you'll see it actually next week um so let's get into the news and notes news and notes around college football man i tell you what i missed the music in between like you see me here nod in my head and i'm like all right let's get it you know because back in the day last year it feels like back in the day News and notes. I started talking about injuries. Now we get to talk about fun stuff. I'm not the Debbie Downer right now, so this feels <laughs> great. I'm not the oh, yeah. I broke his femur. You know, <laughs> I'm the hey. Let's talk about all the fun, exciting stuff that's happening now. So all right, who are we getting into? Let's. I I think we should roll with Missouri first. Um, team. We're going to talk about a couple teams here that um, are making some ginormous moves in the transfer portal. Um, you know and Obviously, Brady Cook staying at Missouri. One of the biggest issues for him, even though he was great last year, was there were many games, I know we watched some together, where he was running for his life. Um, And, man, they've got some offensive linemen coming in um, that are great. They're now, I think, Proctor's now crystal balled from Alabama to go to Missouri, Mm, which would be a huge one. Crazy, Um, because everyone thinks he's going to Iowa um because that that's what he was down to that's where he's from whatever and uh of course you know being a bitter gator fan you know who needs o-linemen like i was like oh man why can't florida get involved with this oh he's he's just a lock to iowa we're not going to be a factor but now he's crystal ball to missouri yeah it's man Uh. it's insane to me um so with the help of their o-line we chat about it briefly uh, a couple days ago and this morning a little bit how do you feel about the running back situation yeah so for those of you on youtube i'll go ahead and share my screen so you can see the the depth charts page which is a, a little bit ugly it's a lot of data and chaotic um, and will change by the end of the day <laughs> it's chaos. Yeah, the names will change by the end of the day. So we'll talk about Alabama. You can see, like just yesterday, Austin Mack transferred over. We moved him into the quarterback three slot there because um, he'll be a factor for Alabama at some point and is a definite CFF stash um, if you're in a dynasty league. But, anyways, let me scroll down a little bit and just show you this. We try and keep as up-to-date as we can. You'll see all the the recent moves there. And, hey, if you see anything wrong uh, at all, hit me up. Hit us up on Discord. Hit Doug up, whatever. Let us know, and we'll get it up-to-date quickly. We're trying to do everything we can every day to keep this up-to-date. We've got some freshmen in here, and there's some that have got more love than others, like more research. For example, down as I scroll down, you'll be able to click on like uh, the team of choice here and go to their specific team depth chart page. So I clicked on Florida and then you'll see um, in a second when I'll pull it up, but you'll see the different um, 
positional rankings right there that we have. So we got six receivers deep, three rece- uh, three running backs, three quarterbacks. And what this does serve as is like the foundation for our little, uh, you know, system or whatever we use to rank everybody in the preseason. We're going to have this out for you guys way sooner. Our processes continue to get better and better. So yeah, this, this will reflect, you know, quarterback Graham Mertz, DJ Lagway, Clay Millen, who just transferred over to Florida within the last seven days or so. Um, and then running back receiver, of course, Eugene Wilson, Shamir DK came over. He'll be a big player as he reunites with Graham Mertz and an offense that surprised like uh, Florida as, as much as they struggle, they'll have some fantasy players that are good. The offense was not the cause for a lot of their struggle, which was a surprise to me and a, a lot of Florida fans. Anyways, these, uh, what you're looking at with the by conference here, we're trying to adjust all of the conferences, obviously, to match what they'll be in 2024. So SEC divisions are going away. And of course, they add Texas and Oklahoma. So this is a work in progress. It's obviously a, a lot of work. It's constant, but we're trying to update every single team. So we'll have a team page and whatnot. Long-winded segue back to what Doug wanted to talk about. Missouri, specifically uh, running backs. So Missouri, yeah, we got Brady Cook back. But two transfers coming in to cover up. Uh, Cody Schrader's uh, hole where he's uh, graduated and exhausted eligibility. Somehow it's happening to some people. They're able to <laughs> exhaust their eligibility. But Marcus Carroll comes in after having a big year. Nate Noel had some injury issues, uh, but was great at App State when he was healthy and playing. Both of them come in to what should be a better offensive line, a running attack that is good. And this sucks, man. This gives me total vibes of Ohio State where you've got, you know, two potential great CFF backs now that um, we were excited that Travion Henderson was going to be healthy, hopefully, and be the lone running back one. But then Judkins transfers to Ohio State. So it's really similar feel at Missouri to me where – None of the none of these four that we're talking about at running back for both either of those teams will be really highly rated by us. And really, you'll be reliant on somebody getting injured for fantasy success, at least. Great yeah. for the teams. Obviously, if you're a Missouri fan, you're hyped. If you're an Ohio State fan, you're hyped. See, hey, you're not missing the beat. No matter yeah. who's on the field, you're not. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm curious. You know, Ohio State is on our list to talk about a little bit. I'm curious, after all the stuff I heard about Judkins, how that <laughs> yeah. relationships are going to form there. Because you know Henderson's going to get his carries, and Judkins wants to be the guy. And if he's not the guy, for lack of a better term, he gets a little pissy. So Yeah, um, that, that was I'm the rumor. What how, that's gonna, how that's going to go. Yeah, what Doug's talking about there or or referring to was there's a lot of people and they were showing highlights of him just yelling at O-linemen and stuff where he was just super selfish. You saw the potentially cryptic uh, tweet by the quarterback there that same day he transferred. Like uh, it's it's seemingly true that he was just a super selfish player. Um, 
I, I don't know any of this stuff firsthand. I'm just kind of reading what other people write and kind of reading into things a little bit. But yeah, we'll see how it plays out with Judkins and, and Henderson. And also at Ohio State, you add into the mix Will Howard, who is a dual threat guy, which if you have a dual threat quarterback, your running back is worth less in fantasy. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a big mess there with Howard Henderson and Judkins. Um, whereas in the past, those have been like staples of CFF, especially in power five leagues where the Ohio state quarterback is super valuable. Ohio state running back one, super valuable, man, not the case. I don't think this year, I mean, Will Howard probably, but, um, Travion and Judkins will be, uh, you know, probably just to avoid. It's a, and that's tough to say too, because, if you're in a league like we are where we get our guys and they go pro, you want those guys because both of them have pro talent for sure. Right. And yep. it's like, you know, deciding do I do I want my college team to win now or do I want to set my pro team up? So that's a tough decision that you guys are gonna have to make at some point if you're in a sim- yeah. in a similar league to ours. Um in Debbie though, keep this- it, it's not it's not affected. Obviously, <laughs> it might even be better. There'll be a lo- little less tread on the tires for both of those yeah. guys. Although Judkins has been uh, a workhorse for Ole Miss, but um, yeah. you know, let's go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that now that kind of opens the door um, at Ole Miss to talk about them yeah, a little bit, like sure. Ulysses Bentley, who was a star in fantasy. Like he came out as a breakout player at smu smu i have some hesitation there yes yeah and then um transferred to be the backup to judkins um so that that was interesting but he's got the opportunity now logan diggs transfers transfers yep um but i think bentley's got a shot to be the guy there at ole miss um again but that wide receiver core for jackson dart is gonna be insane. I'll say the receivers are still there. His main guys from last year. Yeah, Trey Harris returns, um, which he'll have a fully healthy year. Um, definitely a Devi prospect. Really Watkins, good. I think is staying right. Watkins is staying. You add Antoine Wells from South Carolina. Who... Maybe they have a better injury program at Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Wells. <laughs> Wells was banged up last year. And when he w- when he plays, though, he is elite. I know Texas wanted him. Ole Miss got him. Ole Miss has kind of had their way. They have the number one portal class. So this is stock up massively for Jackson Dart. Not only do you lose what people are saying is a selfish running back, uh, you are going to probably just throw the ball more. I'm thinking this is going to be more of a what you would expect um, uh, an old school Lane Kiffin offense to be where he's taken shots down the field to open it up, and uh, Trey Harris, Antoine Wells, Jordan Watkins, I think all have CFF value in the new year. But I love, love where things are going for Jackson Dart. Yeah, um, I think, and and unfortunately. You have Dart in our league. Um, <laughs> I think that it is going to be a, a – he's just – and he's not one of your typical, like, you think of 
when you think of like a, a Will Howard whose like first instinct is to run, but Dart can run and he's not yeah. afraid to do it. I've seen him take some shots and I'm like, I wouldn't get up. And he's like, Hey, my helmet's halfway hanging off, but here I am. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, a guy like that on your team, leading your team with the talent on this team is going to be intense. Um, you talk about them. We talk about them having the number one class, and it's between them and surprisingly Texas A&M, who keep like flopping back and forth between one and two. Um, but yeah, man, these we'll get into another team that's moving up those rankings pretty pretty quick here, uh, and two other teams actually. We we've got you know um, <laughs> Colorado and Texas are both sliding up those you know those rankings super quickly for uh transfers so yeah let's hit those teams and then um we can kind of get into it on uh today's you know hits misses and analysis for 2024 things that we learned all that stuff so two quick teams to talk about for cff you know shador sanders when he played great was was great and if you watched colorado um, you know, a lot of people rooted for them or against them, but whatever. Shadur Sanders, he can ball. And now that they've got um, a totally revamped O-line, more talent, there's an opportunity there for Shador to be a top five fantasy quarterback, I think, pending the schedule. Like, I haven't got to that point where I've evaluated Colorado's schedule for 2024 or anything like that. But I love what Colorado's doing. But then you back the better O-line up with the returning running backs who will be a year into the system. And then if you got Will Shepard coming over from Vanderbilt, and Huge he – yeah, he would be a great get for anybody. Like he's a veteran, like an incredible route runner, great hands, um, good blocker, all the things. Like he's a, a total veteran receiver who will step right in and be great, just like they had a couple receivers out of the portal do last year. And then LeJonte Wester coming over from FAU. Um, another one who will be immediate impact. Like, those two guys should get a ton of balls thrown their way. The whole wrench to me is how much do they use Travis Hunter, the elite talent that is Travis Hunter. How much do they use him at receiver um, next year? That's, that's going to be interesting. What do you think about Colorado? Man, uh, <laughs> you know me in last season. I was quick to hope they fail kind of kind of team. You're um, so mean. Well. Such a hater. I don't know, man. It's kind of fun to watch a team with so much hype kind of fall on their face. But, um, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, Dion's a guy that these kids want to play for. Um, you know, he he's great for <laughs> the name, image, and likeness of a player. Honestly, is which is huge in college football anymore. Um, but man, again, their biggest struggle was their O line, and you saw that in their running game. You saw that in how yeah. many times Sanders got hit. Um, and now, if they can protect him for three, four seconds, like some of these other quarterbacks are, with a Will Shepard in that lineup, a Wester who. I would imagine it's probably going to slide into the slot. Um, He's dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. And then 
Travis Hunter or even some of their freshman receivers from last year that played well when True. Hunter was hurt and stuff. Like, I expect um, is it McCaskill uh, to take over RB one just because uh, I think he's too dynamic not to be RB one. Um, but with a and he was line, hurt going into the last year. A lot of people are going to forget about yeah. that, but he was elite in fantasy a, a couple a years good ago. Good line and. <laughs> In my opinion, a weaker conference that they're going to be playing in. Mm. Yeah, they could were be, not could potentially be a you know backseat playoff team this year. Honestly, they were not able to even try to run the ball last year. So let's quickly go through Texas and uh, at Texas, <laughs> you know, you've got Arch Manning returning. Everyone's hyped. All right, he'll be the backup to yours again, and. Uh, that wide receiving core is going to look totally different. Um, one of the guys better every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They have unlimited, uh, scholarships. Apparently it's like a new (laughs) video game, uh, glitch or something where they just, (laughs) they're able to have 105 scholarship players. Everyone else is still at 85, but, um, Oh man. One of the breakouts, uh, was at running back. Jonathan Brooks, now he's going to be drafted probably in the second or third round um, in the NFL draft this upcoming year. Um, But Cedric Baxter takes over as RB1 pretty clearly. And I think he's going to be a top 10 fantasy back for me Um, because you've got the perfect confluence of events here where you've got Quinn Ewers, who is the the prototype uh, or the – pocket passer archetype and then you've got uh baxter whose great hands can catch out of the backfield and he's not going to be sniped in the red zone when it comes to running the ball or on the goal line so i love baxter of course you pair it with uh the o-line that texas has and that's he's going to be super high for me we'll see where you have him when the rankings come out and then a receiver new look you got um Isaiah Bond coming over from Alabama. You got Matthew Golden coming over from Houston. Jonte Cook going into his sophomore year. And DeAndre Moore going into his sophomore year. We got one more. And they're still trying to get Ryan Williams, et cetera. And Um, Silas Bolden just transferred from, uh, was it Oregon State? Yeah. So Silas Bolden just transferred there, who was a four-star kid. Yeah, so they're they're set up to be an elite offense. Like Ewers is a player, he's he's got um not the highest ceiling for fantasy because he doesn't run the ball. Um he'll be good, not great. He will not be who you rely on as your QB one. Um so he's a he's a good solid QB two in most leagues, I feel like next year. Um but Baxter, I love him. What do you think? Um what stands out to you? And how would you uh, slot those receivers there with Bond being what a lot, what many uh, presume to be uh, an elite NFL talent um, yeah. who didn't get used a ton at Alabama because of how the offense kind of shook out. Golden, who we expected to take that leap as wide receiver one, but didn't quite feel those shoes at Houston. And you got John Tay Cook, who, you know, in spots played really well and is, you know, the perfect combination of size and speed at wide receiver. How do you see all of this shaking out well, for Texas? Like I said, with Silas Bold in there, you've got four, <laughs> uh, well, three 
we're not going to mention Jonte Cook right now because he, he wasn't, but you got three kids who were who were or are at some point, you know, they were wide receiver ones that their schools are expected to be. Um, and then uh, Nye Black, tight end from Alabama, just transferred there as well. So you've got some talent on that roster. Um, I don't, it's going to be – so the SEC this year is going to be tough sledding for sure. Um, and I think <laughs> – and this may be a super way too early prediction for me, but Texas might be proving to be the team, one of the teams to beat them yeah. and Ole Miss. Honestly, mm-hmm. it might be Texas and Ole Miss as the teams to beat in the SEC. Yeah, I like it. And so Silas Bolden, um, for what it's worth, since you're bringing him up, I didn't even know about this this mm-hmm. move. So he's he's five eight, one fifty seven. He's going to play the slot, um, and would be less of a fantasy uh ranking for us like i i would i don't i i don't say with heavy confidence that golden will beat out cook for wide receiver right. two we'll see how things shake out that's going to be one of those things i can't wait to kind of see like john Tay cook is an elite talent and a lot of guys will take that jump to the sophomore year that we expected from golden didn't quite get although you know he was he put up some good numbers but not what we had hoped for so um that wraps that up right so let's let's go ahead and get into some hits misses and we'll start everything talking about quarterbacks and then get into kind of what we're looking at what will change the way we rank players in 2024 so give us the first uh uh, breakout player doug what do you what, who do you want to go to first? Um, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna go close to my heart with the breakout player for me. We'll go uh, rapid he fire here. A lot. By the and way, it's Byron Brown from uh, South Florida for me. We had him at quarterback two forty five. Mm-hmm, we were wrong, and he went QB four in <laughs> the year. Yep. So he's he was only drafted. Early. He was only drafted in eighteen percent of leagues. And his ADP was 213. Now, on these breakout players, this underscores the importance of any redraft league nailing it on the waiver wire pickups because you'll notice the draft percentage of these. Like Haynes King, we'll talk about another one of your boys that you cut going into the year. And I also backed up that advice. Because you know, I Shoot thought Georgia in Tech. In the words of BMX. Shoot me. Yeah, in. <laughs> yeah. He was he was drafted in uh, what I can't quite read that number. What percentage of uh, uh would be a, a dash and a zero percent? Zero percent. Uh, drafted in zero percent of leagues. His ADP was uh no. Um, he ended up QB nine. <laughs> we had him ranked as QB ninety six. Think about and... this for a second, BMX, on my college team. Would have had Bo Nix. Would have had Byron Brown. Would have had Haynes King. And did I or did I not mention halfway through the season, I was thinking about picking up Jordan McLeod from JMU. Yeah, yeah. That would have been pretty pretty serious there, but We all make mistakes. But um, here's to sucking. <laughs> so Haynes King, uh, yeah, was a big one. Diego Pavia, um, New Mexico State. Um, he's another one and he just transferred. 
Um, oh. he, he finished QB eight drafted in only 15% of leagues. His ADP was 261. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's at Vanderbilt now. So that'll be real quick. I have breaking news for you. What's up? Alabama freshman quarterback, Julian Sayan entering transfer portal. What? Wow. That's a big one. Like could be a QB one somewhere for sure. I mean, absolutely, he could be. You know, if you go back to our depth charts, we've got um, a freshman starting for Nebraska, and uh, Sayan is right up there, just as good. He's there's like a clear top three freshman quarterbacks, and he's one of them. So that was a uh, just thought I'd throw in there. Didn't mean to knock you off your track here, but wow. anytime a, a big name for us, because we know, you know, we spend a lot of time on studying these kids and stuff, but anytime a big name like that comes through breaking news is something that I want to share with you guys. So you heard it here on the CFB dynasty podcast, two quick ones, just to, to mention Caden Salter Liberty. Um, he used sophomore. He finished QB two. We had him preseason ranked QB 56. He was only drafted in 14% of leagues. <laughs> And um, his ADP was 311. Um, At QB 56, he's uh, in most leagues where we had him preseason ranked. He would have been your fourth quarterback drafted, um, which would have been awesome. But in in most leagues, he didn't even get drafted. So the last one, Thomas Castellanos, Boston College, you know, not really known for just putting out great quarterbacks drafted in zero percent of leagues um finished qb 13. so quick side note on qbs real quick b um before we get into rbs we have some notes here um on nico moss arnold and nussmeyer you want to talk about these guys real fast no no i don't but i i will in a minute I will in a minute. So I'll throw up on the screen here some of the um, – so this, these are your QB1 and QB2 in a 12-team league. We've got our top 24 quarterbacks here. So I will talk about those four in a moment. But um, if you're looking on the screen, you'll see a little pie chart of quarterbacks by class. So of the people that finished as a QB1 or a QB2 – in a 12-team league, your top 24, only one was a freshman. 4% were freshmen, 12% were sophomores. And those sophomores, uh, so you got some of these breakouts here, sophomore and freshman. We're talking Byron Brown, uh, Caden Salter, Thomas Castellanos, and then um, Jalen Milrow finished uh, QB. 15. So it was one and then three. Yeah. And the rest were all juniors and seniors. That's right. Out of the yep. top 24. Yes. And I've referenced this, this uh, college football nerds show a couple times on past podcasts because I think they are on the money when it comes to the game is changing, especially for quarterbacks. Um, and I, th- <clears throat> I think the, the way the the number one thing that will point to this or whatever is looking at Ohio State, who had bona fide great offensive line, running backs, 
uh, the best receiving core in the country, or at least one of, and elite quarterback recruits, the game is just more difficult for quarterbacks than it was five, six years ago. Um, and it's just because, and th- there's always cycles where the offense takes off and then the defense catches up to it. And then, I th- so what they're basically saying in that podcast, and I'll cover it because uh, the way I believe it is, you know, the, the, and this funny it goes back to the the college football video game when it last launched they had just kind of uh released the the read option um on the video game and the read option made like really simplified the game for dual threat quarterbacks so it's like you're looking at the edge player and you're going to either based on him you're going to hand it off or you're going to go around the edge and, and keep it. But um, well, there are plenty of other different types of read options, but there's the RPO obviously as the, as the read option advanced where you can boom, hand it off to the running back or hit that receiver on a slant based on what the linebacker does and the edge player does. And it oversimplified the game for the quarterback. So freshmen, sophomores, it was easy for them to, kind of step in if they have great talent and good talent around them to kind of take off. The game was simplified. It's getting less and less like that now where we're seeing quarterbacks kind of, they need years to pick up the offense, to be able to call, to do checks at the line of scrimmage and um, be able to process everything. They need more time, more years and this is what we've seen too with these nine-year players now you've got Jaden Daniels you got Bo Nix you know they're not nine-year guys but Dylan Gabriel feels like it those are guys that have been in there uh, even though they haven't been necessarily in their system for you know a long time just all of them like two years or whatever they're experienced Michael Penix Mm -hmm really experienced, et cetera. So, um, man, this is going to be something to follow. And I do think this will affect where I rank players. And I want to get your thoughts in a minute and how you'll rank players. Cause this year we'll have some separate rankings and we'll have an aggregate between you and I. Um, but I will absolutely be favoring juniors and seniors, um, at the top of my quarterback rankings. Um, what do you? How do you see this data? Does it change anything for you? Or does anything stand out here on the top twenty-four quarterbacks by class? Um, <clears throat> no, I mean it kind of is the way that you would think it would go. Um, I do really like guys that um, have been in the league for a little while. Um, like you said, learning the system. Like we've talked about him already a little bit. Like a Jackson Dart hasn't transferred all over the place but he's been in that system um and it's paying off obviously um yeah and we talk about you know the more dual threat guys and i look at this for sure in fantasy purposes you're not gonna have (laughs) very often like a crazy year like say joe burrow had in 2019 when he threw for 60 touchdowns like yeah um because there's a lot of colleges now that love 
a guy that does both. Um, we talked about Byron Bowen as a freshman had, you know, over 800 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns. Um, Salter, who we've seen break 50-yard touchdown runs, like Bo Nix is a runner. Daniels, obviously, if you're a Florida fan, we know what he did to us. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things, like, I think you and I have done this for the past two or three years in our league is we tend to draft guys that can do both. So um, it's, it's also a risk reward thing. Like the, the Dylan Gabriels of the world, when it comes to the draft is boring to make mm-hmm. that pick. Uh, but if you, if you took, if you're in a redraft league, I'm taking all juniors and seniors. And then of course, your right. anom- your statistical anomalies like a Byron Brown or a Caden Salter, you're hoping to n- to lock down one of those um, off the waiver wire because there will be those every year. You just got to pick the right one in the right system yeah. for that year. Um, look, for example, look at like a, a JJ McCarthy in the Michigan offense, a great potential NFL talent. They're saying, but not a fantasy guy in college football. Can I also ask you this, um, when you're thinking of a college dynasty league, how much does the portal just kind of screw you year over year when you have uh, a player, you know, Ulysses Bentley was an example, but there are a million examples this year of like players that are set up to be a star at uh, their, you know, small school or whatever. Let's, Let's talk about Penny Boone for example, going from Toledo to Louisville, he could be the guy. He could just simply be in a timeshare this year and be a waste for fantasy, but we see that a lot. So why waste, if you're in a dynasty league, why waste a draft pick on a young player on a group of five or currently defined group of five team when you know you might get them for a year, you might as well draft a senior or a junior that's kind of uh, stable. Um. So, man, it, I think for this it can be looked at both ways. Like, <clears throat> are you a, are, are you fighting for a championship that year? You know what I mean, yeah, right? If, if your team is set up that year, yeah, go for it. But if you're like in a rebuilding stage. I, I kind of like the the unknown. Like, for me, I mean, it bothered me, like, with, like, an Isaiah Nayer going from Wyoming where he was the guy <laughs> to Texas to where he got hurt, then he got healthy, then he still wasn't even on the playing field. But, um, man, I think a lot of it, honestly, is you got to go with the known, I think, a yeah. lot of anymore yeah everybody loves the unknown right that's the fun part when when you're ahead of everyone else in your league or you draft that guy that people are like who are you drafting and then you look back week four into the into the league and you look back at the draft and you're like oh look at that guy i got in the ninth round the rest of you are idiots um <clears throat> anyways and then you draft that guy in the first and you're like i'm an idiot <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so let's let's transition to running backs, and then we'll close out with receivers. Um, so let's take a look here um, at running back. Um, some of our, you know, breakout players, which 
Genty for Boise. This one kind of stabs me in the chest a little bit because I just had that feeling about him going into the year that he was going to be better than Halani. But everything had Halani. He's he's the incumbent. He's running back one for Boise. So we had Genty kind uh, like at RB49. And I think we had him above Halani. I could check that real quick. But they were kind of close to each other. Genty just kind of took over as the clearly better player. Not that Halani is bad. Halani was good. Um, but Genty was just the star there. And he's coming back for Boise. And what's going to be one of the most fun fantasy rosters to follow uh, this season with uh, Malachi. with Malachi coming over from USC, etc. But Genty finishing RB2. Um, let's run through some of these. Omari and Hampton realized his potential. He took that jump that uh, that we hope to see a lot of people take this year <clears throat> and did not see that coming. Like there was a three-way battle for uh, running back one at UNC, and he was right there with Genty a lot of the season running back one, running back two. He finished the year running back seven, and he'll come back um, as a top pick this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cody Schrader, Missouri, man. Missouri is a player like this guy, uh, uh, not really recruited. He was a walk-on and uh, crushed it. We've had him at RB75. And he finished RB nine as a as a breakout player. Penny Boone, um, we were we had him ranked too highly a year ago, or two years ago, and then he kind of didn't really win the job until this past year, and we were we underrated him. <laughs> so he finished RB twelve. Um, he was drafted this year in zero percent of leagues. Um, with no ADP ranking whatsoever. And then lastly, Dylan Johnson, Washington, uh, drafted in only 16% of leagues, finished as as RB16. And when I'm thinking about or at seeing Dylan Johnson and how he's used, you know, it just makes me think about Justice Haynes in 2024 and how the seas the have parted for Justice Haynes to kind of break out in the new year so maybe it's too good to be true we'll see what happens with uh portal over the next whatever 25 days of open market on alabama if haynes dips into the portal or whatnot but uh there's there's no rumors of of that so i'm hoping he sticks it out at bama and he'll be a highly ranked player for me um Mm -hmm. in that offense what uh what stands out to you or you want to just go ahead and hit a couple of the the misses the misses <clears throat> all right i'll hit some misses because we all know how much i like to be a negative nancy no um i'll hit some misses so we had uh <laughs> our boy judkins who we've already talked about at rb1 yep so one of those guys you would have drafted in the first round have been like cfb dynasty is a bunch of jerks um <laughs> and uh he ended rb19 not horrible but still yeah would have been a two or three. On yeah, and it's not just us. His ADP was four. Yeah. So, That's across every position. So uh, no surprise there on the ADP because he yep. was he was up there, RB one, two, or three the previous year, and Ole Miss was better. 
um, this year in terms of talent, and they're going to be even better the next year. So that one's going to be interesting. But I think you see that transition a little bit away from the run. It's going to be more on Jackson Dart's shoulders this year. When you got uh, Trey Benson, we had at 11, um, which was mostly due to me because I was pretty high on this guy. Um, He ended RB 30. His average draft position was 32, so kind of right on the money to where – you know, he was drafted at. Um, well, got, remember, ADP is overall. Right. So so he was an RB30, obviously. Right. True. Is just within running back. So he was certainly um, overdrafted, <laughs> and he's one that disappointed in the past year. Um, liked him a lot, too. But uh, what you see is that with a dual threat quarterback, that's really good. They're just going to suck some of the touchdowns in the red zone. And that's what yes, happened to Benson. For sure. Um, and then I'll hit three more real quick. You got Braylon Allen. We had RB3, ended RB38. Yeah, uh, that was a hard one to read because of the, the turnover at coaching or the total shift in coaching philosophy there to pass it around more and whatnot. And it just never really clicked with Braylon Allen. He'll have yeah. a better pro career probably um we'll see what he runs and all that stuff but anyways travion um rb10 we had him and he ended rb44 uh still had some injury issues this year a little bit um and then it was like a back and forth that ohio state offense was just kind of you didn't know what to expect week to week with them Um, it was one week their quarterback threw 85 times one week he threw 12 like you just didn't know what was going to happen and it was musical chairs at running back between you know him being hurt three being hurt a lot and then you had train them um would start and then some games it would be like oh college game day says travion is back and then (laughs) he doesn't play at all <laughs> and so uh on our Saturday morning show that that certainly caused some chaos. We were able to save some people. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. <laughs> on some of those, you got, but you know, it's rough. College game day worried about eating Oreos and kicking field goals now. So um then you got Will Shipley we had at five who ended fifty six. And part of this, yes, there were some injuries, but part of this was the emergence of Mafa this year, honestly. Um but yeah, like Moffat got a lot of goal line carries, um, things like that. So it kind of took a lot away from Shipley, which you would normally see like, hey, we're going to get the ball to Shipley 45 times today. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't happen this year. Yeah, that's correct, man. Uh, that that whole Clemson offense never, never really clicked. So um, I think it's more on Klubnik and just – the new OC and things just not getting worked out, but I, Shipley's a really good player. It just, the offense was just broken this year. So um, I'll pull up running backs, add it to the screen here. So right here, we're looking at the top 36 running backs. How many freshmen on the pie chart? Uh, zero freshmen. That would be, so if you're in a 12 team college fantasy league, um, it's all so this is your running back one running back two or your flex or running back three um, so it would be your, your starter potentials based on how they finish the year um, man no freshman no freshman um, and I don't think it's going to change in the new year either um, 
but there's plenty of so- like this is different than quarterback obviously sophomores you know did they can't they came into play at 25 percent uh juniors were 37 percent seniors were 37 percent so um kind of an even split there what stands out to you on these uh running backs here um looking at the adp column uh, that's the biggest thing to me yeah so the one of the biggest things to me is um quarterback and running back it's junior senior heavy um and and years i feel like in years past younger running backs in college football were pivotal um but now it's kind of shifting like a lot of i i I don't know it's kids are staying in school longer i think um well partly because now especially now because this nil money that they're getting um why rush to play pro ball anymore um but yeah it's crazy how quarterbacks and running backs are so junior senior heavy um i'm curious because i haven't looked at this pie chart with you but curious to see what we're gonna see when we pull up receivers here in a little while but i do think the average draft position is overwhelmingly high (laughs) compared to where these players ended up no joke man so looking at adp um there was just a lot of unexpected breakouts and these are from teams that you just wouldn't expect um and we're seeing that maybe it's a a portal era kind of thing where there's just a lot of turnover and uh you know it's it's harder to predict running backs like okay whatever we nailed Blake Corum but Michigan is super stable in who they are and their identity um Corum was kind of a known commodity the O-line was one of the best in the country and so yeah he finishes RB3 I think we had him rated higher than everyone else at RB4 um going into the year but Genty his ADP was 149th he finished as RB2 Ollie Gordon his ADP was 133, and he finished RB1. Um, Ray Davis at Kentucky was really good. Kamani Vidal at Troy was really good. Amari and Hampton, his ADP was 254. Like, yeah, there's some great, great value. Um, and I do think it's going to be easier to predict, though, in 24. Um where there's less turnover. A lot of the top guys are coming back. So I think this is an anomaly season, but you could say, oh, maybe it's maybe it's uh, the portal era and it's just harder to predict. I do think 24 will be more stable. Yeah, it'll be more stable. And I'm excited <clears throat> for, you know, our CFB Dynasty community to see the different work we're putting in this year to, to hopefully – help close the gap a little bit on these ADPs and where these, where these kids finish. Cause we're doing some different work this year to hopefully uh, <laughs> help it be more accurate on our end for sure. As opposed to a lot of things going on. Oh, it's, it's fun. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to show that and look at all the trend data we have. So, um, all right. And let's take a, look over at wide receiver now to kind of wrap up what we've learned and here we go so some of the guys that uh you know 
this is an example where there was big stability at wide receiver, not as many shocks. You know, we had Roma Dunze, who we predicted at wide receiver three. He, he finished at wide receiver one. Tet McMillan was a hit. <clears throat> Troy Franklin was a hit. Malik Neighbors um, we had as a, a secondary uh, wide receiver selection. He finished wide receiver two. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr., of course. Um, there's plenty of hits. Tory Horton. Yeah, one uh, of your favorites. Josh Cephas. Um, you know, we moved up really high, and he backed that up um, because of the injury issues and things there. But then there are some some breakouts. Malik Washington, Virginia? Who saw that coming? <laughs> Nobody. Because his this ADP guy. was no, and he was drafted in 0% of leagues. We had him preseason ranked um, at wide receiver 217, and he finished wide receiver six out of nowhere. Um, Jalen Royals, uh, his breakout year was seen by nobody because his draft position or his ADP was nothing. His He was drafted in 0% of leagues and he finished wide receiver nine. So you have these breakout players, Kevin Conception, another one, drafted in 1% of leagues, finished wide receiver 18. Uh, Xavier Leggett, ya boy, uh, boy, drafted in 1% of leagues, finished wide receiver 24. Uh, Brennan Presley from Oklahoma State. Uh, on and on, like, some good uh, breakout players there. But overall, receivers were pretty darn predictable uh, this past year. And uh, it'll be different this year. Yeah. Um, it'll be different. But anyways, tell us about a couple uh, misses there that we can talk about. So one of one of our misses, uh, somebody that probably hurt <laughs> a lot of fantasy teams, was uh, Xavier Worthy. We had him at 13, and he finished 38. Um, Which feels better, because I had him. And feels better, yeah. It feels better th- than I thought. Like, he finished as, like, a you know a wide receiver three on your team. We had him rated as a high-end wide receiver two. Um, so it's, it, it is a miss, because we had him 13, and 38 is a, is a pretty big gap there. But um, him finishing... Wide receiver 38 is kind of surprising to me that it was that good because having him all year, it certainly didn't feel that way. They didn't get a lot of touchdowns, um, and there were a lot of deep ball misses. It's going to be an interesting one to see how he does in the NFL, if he's able to stick and whatnot. But um, he'll be drafted in the top three rounds because he's a a really good talent. But that's definitely a miss. Uh, Malachi Corley, Western Kentucky, we had at two, and he finished wide receiver 22, um, which is, you know, a, a pretty big gap, if you, especially if you have him at two. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, there, was, there was a lot of returning there that was, uh, was gone. Uh, in 2022, for example, Austin Reed in the same offense had 602 attempts that was down to 470 attempts, which took his yards from 4,700 in 2022 to 3,300. 
and was nine less touchdowns. So, you know, had they thrown the ball at the same clip, things would have worked out differently and that would have been probably a hit. But yeah, man, he ended up uh, averaging uh, whatever, 17 fantasy points a game and his ADP was seven. So he was a first round pick and uh, you're not happy with a wide receiver 22 finish out of a first round pick. Yeah, and then I'm going to hit three more that are pretty far down the list. Uh, we got Sam Wiggles. We had him at 10. Uh, yeah. Ended at 159. That Ohio offense as a whole was a, a disappointment. So, And then we've got Egbuka. We had at 5. Ended at 186. Yeah, injured. Yep, and then Matthew Golden. We had at 8. Ended at 169. So... There's, there's gonna, there's always gonna be, you know, those players that it's like, what happened, what's going on, but, man, these injuries, um, and there's one that kind of hit for me, um, Elijah, Elijah Badger. We talk about these kids transferring when they're the guy, at their school, and then they go to another school, and you're like, okay, this could be good, but it ended really bad for me. Like we had him <laughs> in the top thirty, I think, and he ended like one eighty six or mm-hmm. something like that. So it's like, one of those things where it's like, man. Um, this transfer portal <laughs> for me in my personal experience with the transfer portal is more often than not, it kicks me in the rear end. Yeah. Then, then it's like, yes, I'm excited about this guy going here. It usually ends up kicking me in the butt. So. All right. <clears throat> as we go into the, the top 36 wide receivers by class, um, since you haven't seen it yet, I'll put it up on the screen. Um, can you get or how you have seen it probably actually never what's mind. that i was gonna have you guess the percentage i haven't seen it i haven't, haven't even looked at, looked at the receiver side yet All right. so what is the top um <clears throat> top class for wide receivers if and i receivers? could guess based off um like this year with like players like uh you know neighbors and franklin and odunze and all these i'm gonna go junior yep what's the percentage oh let me throw out 60 54 percent which is uh it's high it's higher than every other position uh a dominant class look at that pie chart look at that beautiful pie chart there look at all the blue 54 percent uh, for juniors. And I think this underscores the fact that it's a premium position in the NFL. And if you're really good, you leave as a junior. Um, there's plenty of opportunities to go around to receivers in the NFL. So taking a look here, uh, 25% were seniors, 54% were juniors, and then 16%, which this goes back to the quarterback conversation of, you know, if you're an elite wide receiver, yes. If you're in the right position, yes. 16% sophomores, 4% freshmen. Um, again, going heavy, heavy juniors and seniors. And I think uh, at least my rankings will reflect that as we launch them next week. But um, uh, yeah, Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Troy Franklin, Brian Thomas. We have Tet McMillan as a sophomore, so he was one of the ones. But we kind of we projected that. 
um, Luther Burden as a sophomore. We had him ranked pretty highly, so no surprise there. Elijah Surratt at JMU, definitely surprise, uh, drafted in 0% of leagues. Um, Kevin Conception was the freshman. Uh, mm-hmm. He finished up there, uh, wide receiver, I think, uh, he 20-ish. Was, uh, 18. 18, yep. Um, but anyways, uh, what, uh, what all stands out to you here? I think this was a pretty predictable position. Um, certainly as always, there's, there's your breakouts, your Colin Lacey, um, et cetera. Yeah. To me, wide receiver, um, was the easier position because you kind of knew based off previous years, what was going to happen and where, um, now, it gets hard when there's quarterback turnover or something like that, but an example for the most part, LSU, a lot of quarter- yeah. LSU this year. So the receivers, Brian Thomas to the NFL, Malik neighbors, NFL, Jaden Daniels, he'll be a top five pick in the draft. You got mm-hmm. Nussmeyer coming back. You got uh, CJ Daniels transferring over. Um, and then you got Kyron Lacey, um, maybe taking over as, as wide receiver one. You love Nussmeyer and what you've seen from him so far. We have the bowl game highlights up for him as well as the other, you know, we've got Nico Imaliava, et cetera, et cetera. LSU, how how will you, with a full turnover of talent, you know, at, at all the skill positions except for a tight end, how do you how do you see that playing out? How would you, how are you going to rank them um, in general? Using this data, knowing the potential, they were the top scoring yeah. offense. You'll expect them to come down a bit. A bit, yeah. Um, uh, I think, <clears throat> to me, I think Daniels and Nussmeyer are the top two. And after that, I guess for me, it's going to be a, a prove-it situation for me on who's up next. Yeah, there. So you got like CJ at receiver? at receiver. Yeah, CJ knows that receiver, and then you got Nussmeyer, obviously at quarterback. Like those two guys, to me, are draftable for sure. But then after that, it's like the who's who. Like who's going to be the one to step up and take that wide receiver two position, or you know whatever. But um, I, that's why the uh, you know picks that we do, you know, partway through the season, you know, where we have three picks, are so beneficial. For in our like our league because you can kind of wait and see what's going to happen with some of these guys. Um, so, but yeah, <clears throat> I think it's CJ Daniels, Nussmeyer, and then kind of a waiting game for me after that. Yep, yep. That's uh, man, it's going to be exciting to kind of unveil the rankings, see where we have some of these LSU players and and everyone else next week. Um, so. Man, uh, that's what we have to look forward to, and that wraps up what we're talking about today. So uh, in the meantime, we'll uh, see you guys up on Discord or whatever. we got to get that uh, popping again as we unveil a lot of things that we'll be able to kind of cuss and discuss. And uh, that's all we've got for now for Doug and BMAC. We'll see you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for listening to the CFB Dynasty Podcast. Help us out by subscribing on YouTube and reviewing us on your podcast network.